0: Welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're episode 205, Let the Lord Do What Seems Best to Him. Every time I say 200 and whatever it may be, I just have to pause. It just blows my mind at what the Lord has chosen to do from this country girl who does not like to hear the sound of her own voice recorded like, oh my, oh my, just how great is our God and how complex are his plans so much higher than we could even imagine. And that really plays into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the phrase, let the Lord do what seems best to him. And I almost changed the title right before we started, because what seems best to the Lord, we all know is what is best. But as we have been walking through the life of King David now for a year or so on this podcast, We've seen the ups and downs of the spiritual life of David, as well as the ups and downs of his personal life. Just, he has gone through a lot of stuff, and he has also put himself through a lot of stuff. And part of what is going on in his life, as we are in 2 Samuel 15, this is an indirect result. Of his own bad choices. And. That's sad. That's sad. But I think we all. Can relate to that. You know when you look at David. And David is described in scripture as A man after God's own heart. If you didn't know. The stories about him. All you knew was about. His battle with Goliath. And he was king of Israel. For. Guess about 40 years in, in total. You would think that he had it all going on and he made wise decisions in his relationships. And you know, you could look up to him and let's follow the example of King David. Well, there are days, there are days when we can follow the example of King David, but sadly, those days are few and far between especially from the time that he becomes king of Israel. Except in today's text, which is a short section of scripture, we see another one of those moments where he is giving us a good and godly example. So let me set the stage. So David has been king of Israel for many years now and he has made relational choices which have made his life very, very difficult. He not only has married multiple wives, but he has multiple concubines, in other words, lesser wives, And that's going to come into play probably again in another couple of weeks. I'll do some sort of warning before we start recording that particular podcast. And David, his sons are misbehaving, to say the least. Amnon, go back and listen to the podcast or go back and look at the scripture. You'll see that Amnon was off the chain, and eventually Absalom, another of David's sons, killed Amnon for what he had done. Then Absalom runs off because he thinks that his daddy, the king, is going to be furious at him. He eventually gets to come back to town, and he plots against David, and for multiple years, he works at getting the people of Israel Loyal to him and taking that loyalty away from David. And David is clueless. And that's one of the things that as we've gone through this set of scriptures. I just have been so reminded. Of how clueless David was not only for what was going on in his kingdom. But what was going on in his household. And he is definitely going to reap and reap and reap and reap what he has sown. The example that he was to these boys, because the choices that he made, they were old enough to know what was going on and to see what was happening. And David did not set a good and godly example for his sons, sadly. Sadly. And Absalom has decided, I'm going to take over the kingdom. And we've talked now for a few weeks. And if you had asked me before we started 2 Samuel 15, how many lessons, to estimate how many lessons we were going to get from 2 Samuel 15, I probably would have thought two or three at the most. And I'm kind of thinking we might be on five or six at this point, And I think we've got another one coming next week. David has been in the process of leaving Jerusalem. Very mournfully leaving Jerusalem before Absalom comes to town. Part of the reason David is choosing to leave is because he has in his mind that if he stands and fights that it's going to destroy Jerusalem as well as many of the people. And uh, as David is mournfully walking out of the city, we have talked the last two weeks, we talked about the people in our lives that we expect loyalty from. We think that we can trust them, and yet they are They are people with traitorous hearts. And then last week, we saw loyalty coming from Ittieh and 600 men, soldiers, from Gath. Gath being where Goliath was from. And that's going to come back up again in the future. Because not all of the Philistine territory loves David. But these 600 men had chosen to follow him even though like they didn't have any specific reasons to be loyal to him, and yet they chose to show loyalty. And we talked about when people come alongside you and support you and you were not anticipating it. And it's such a blessing. Such a blessing. And then as David is walking out So let me get back to 2 Samuel 15. Last week, we ended with David agreeing to allow Idia and his soldiers from Gath to come along. And then we start with verse 23. Everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and they went out toward the wilderness. Zadok and all the Levites also came along carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God and Abiathar offered sacrifices until everyone had passed out of the city. Then the king instructed Zadok, Zadok the, to take the Ark, back, Ark of God back into the city. If the Lord sees fit, David said, he will bring me back to see the Ark and the tabernacle again. And this is our key verse. But if he is through with me, then let him do what seems best to him. And that just really struck me very strongly a little while ago. I was reading back over the scripture and I was reading over some commentaries and I was just pondering David's walk out of the city. And I started thinking about what we learn about David in verses 25 and 26. As I said a few weeks ago, this is not the same David who saw the giants in life through the lens of the spiritual eyeglasses where he knew that the Lord of Heaven's armies was on his side. But as we are going to take at least one week, we're going to look at some of the songs that David wrote while he was exiled from Jerusalem, running from Absalom. We see that he still has a relationship with God. It just, he's not in that same young boy place where he thought that God was going to conquer the world through him. And that's sad. That's sad. But through this section here, we do see something about where he is, at least on this given day, and this given day being one of the saddest days in David's entire life. Like, David looked forward to becoming king for... So he probably was about 15 when he was anointed. We know that he ran from Saul in the wilderness for 10 years. He was king for part of the Israelites for, I think it was about seven years. So, I mean, he waited so long to finally become king and to, to have his residence in Jerusalem, which is known as the city of David. And, you know, he, he just had had this opportunity to have his, his wildest dreams come through and now he is seeing what he thinks could very well be the end of those dreams that he may never see this city again, that God may choose not to restore him. And in the midst of his pain, in the midst of this heartbreaking day, David says, But if he is through with me, then let him do what seems best to him. As much as this whole experience is, is breaking his heart, his own son has stabbed him in the back, as well as Ahithophel which we talked about, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, where he was one of David's closest advisors. And Ahithophel is right there with Absalom. So David is feeling that personal betrayal as well as the professional betrayal. And he's just not sure how this is going to turn out. And in the midst, though, on that day when The darkness seems to surround him inside and out. He is committed to the words of I Surrender All, the the hymn that we sing now, that sentiment of let God do what seems best to him. David acknowledges this is not what he wants. But he's going to surrender to whatever God wants. A couple of verses came to mind, one being Isaiah 55 8 through 9, which these two scriptures are two of my absolute favorites. And I referred to them a little bit, when we opened up this podcast, it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That Those two verses have been such a comfort to me a lot of times in the darkness because. There are situations in our life, it'll be either be personal to us, such as this is to David on this particular day, or personal to people that we really care about. And there will be questions that will not be answered this side of heaven. Like, why does it seem like that evil wins? And now we know from looking at the book of Revelation that in the end the Lord wins by a landslide. But in our daily life it sometimes seems that evil ones or the evil one has the upper hand. And on this day as David is walking sorrowfully out of Jerusalem, he may very well be feeling that way. Because Absalom has been used by the deceiver to deceive the people. And David knows that what Absalom's going to choose to do is not best for the people. But David, for whatever reason at this point, believes that he's powerless to counteract that. But he does still have a relationship with God enough to be able to see through and realize that God is in control. That Absalom is not in control of David's destiny. Absalom is not in control of Israel's destiny. That in this moment he wants and he's surrendering, acknowledging, let God do what seems best to him, which we know is what is best. So I ask you this day are you able to wholeheartedly pray, Lord? Do what you know is best. Are you able to pray that over your own life? Are you truly able to surrender? Two of my all-time favorite verses as well. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight or He will direct your paths depending on which version you're reading. But it comes down to, are you able to trust that what is happening, God is sovereign. And when it's all said and done, you will be able to see that he did exceedingly abundantly all Above anything that you could have asked or imagined. Are you able to pray that over the people you love the most? Lord, do what you know is best. As I look to the right, as I am recording this podcast, I see the faces of three that I love, 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 love so dearly. And this is something that I have prayed many many times maybe not the exact wording but I want in their lives not what I think is best not what they think is best but I want God's best for their lives and I realize that that is taking hands off and trusting him that even on the days where it does not look like things are going the way that he would want them to. That ultimately, he will work all things together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose. On this day, my challenge to you, are you able to wholeheartedly pray, Lord, do what you know is best. In me, in my children, in my grandchildren, in my husband, in my wife, in my church family, in my community, in my, you fill in the blank. I don't know what, what goes in that for you. Are you able to surrender all? The song I Surrender All, it's one of those that for me. I get a grin in my on my face every time I think about that song. And I've told it on this podcast before. I have challenged my Sunday school members more than one time to not sing the song unless they mean it. I, I really believe that the majority of people should be singing I surrender some instead of I surrender all. I think we just sang it like maybe this last weekend at my church, and it was like all to Jesus. The word all get get that word in your head. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Those words sound pretty when they're sung, but is that what you are saying? Are you truly willing to trust that he is going to work all things together for good to them who love him and are called according to his purpose, including you? Or are you going to try to keep messing with the chess pieces Hoping that you can bring about a different outcome, a different ending, a different whatever it may be. Something that you want to change in what's going on. Or are you willing to say, God, I my hands, I am handing to you my heart. I'm handing to you my life. I'm handing to you my possessions. I'm handing to you my... Loved ones, I am handing all to you. Do what you know is best. And if you are able to do that today, just imagine, number one, the weight of the world that will not be on your shoulders. Number two, imagine what the Lord might do through you. like. This is the God of the universe who has no bounds, whose thoughts are higher than your thoughts, whose ways are higher than your ways. He can accomplish infinitely more than you could ever ask or imagine, but only through someone who's totally committed to empty hands and a willing heart. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, as I told you, we're going to spend one more week. I think it's only one. There's two other topics I kind of want to cover, but I don't think I'm really going to do that. It's going to be one or two more weeks in 2 Samuel 15, and then we will be out in in the chase with David um, because he's out there for a few years, away from Jerusalem while Absalom And his little reign of terror is going on. And we will take at least one week to look at some of the songs that David wrote during that time away. He did that, and we did that, when we looked at David running from Saul. Because he was away from, he was in hiding from Saul for 10 years. He wasn't gone that long from Absalom. Somewhere between two to four years is how long he was running from him but either way just one day in a cave one day on the run one day when you feel like the world has turned upside down that is more than enough for a lifetime and David has already spent 10 years of that and now he's tasted the good life and he has tasted Years of being in charge and God using him and God blessing him, and now instead of the golden years and the glory days, he's on the run again. There's just so many ways to look at that and think about it. So, thank you so much for tuning in. Got information in the show notes about the resources I used, our Facebook group, the Instagram, um, Twitter account, uh, all of those good things. Got information about the hidden episodes, information about the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, because I just feel very compelled to do that each and every time. And remember, you can share this freely with people, because I know you know somebody who needs today's lesson, needs to be reminded that God is in control, His ways are higher, and to encourage them to surrender all to Him. Just imagine what the Lord might do. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.